Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. This is one of the July editions of the show. Thanks for listening. I'm here today with Aaron Pilhofer from The Guardian in the UK. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Glad for to be here. Thanks for coming on. Um, really excited to have you. Um, I think there's a lot for us to talk about, so let's just jump right in. Um, I think I would guess a lot of people know you from your work at the New York Times, and now you've jumped across the Atlantic to um, to the Guardian. You want to talk a little bit about the sort of things that you've been working on at the Guardian since you moved over? Sure. I mean, yeah. So I was at the Times for nine years and worked in various um, uh, various capacities. I ca- I got there as a reporter actually. Uh, and then ended up running uh, a technology team, um, a combined technology team of about 20 developers and social media community and uh, newsroom analytics. And uh, But uh, I came over to The Guardian in August of last year uh, with a slightly larger portfolio. Uh, uh, created a team here called uh, Guardian Visuals, basically modeled after National Public Radio's visuals team. That kind of brings together, as I like to say, sort of all the raw materials of visual journalism on one desk, which is really, really important um, today as you're trying to do innovative digital journalism. I also run social and community for a few more weeks uh, until uh, Mary Hamilton, an amazing editor, comes back to London to take over in a couple weeks. And uh, I, I started a, um, an analytics team here as well in the newsroom. So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm doing. So the whole uh, the whole graphics team is under your your thumb. Yeah, that sounds really highfalutin, but it's you know not that many people. I mean, it's uh, you know at the times I had twenty developers. The graphics team in total was probably fifty people. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a multimedia team for a while of five. We had a video unit that's now ballooned to like seventy five back in the in the day at the New York Times. So. Uh, a photo desk that went on for days. You know, we we do not have those kinds of resources here at the Guardian. So the the total team on visuals is probably forty forty five. About half of that uh, is the photo desk, and the other half is a combination of developers, designers, motion graphic artists, graphic artists, um, just sort of a range of of uh, very very talented visual journalists. So when you are building all these different platforms and tools with um, the the graphics for the print uh, version of the newspaper, and then the online, both static and interactive. Uh, let's talk. Let's focus on the online. What are the things that you find work well in terms of trying to engage readers in a deeper way? Yeah. So you know, back in the day, we started building a lot of sort of standalone, what I might even call sort of destination interactives, and these are sort of. Um, big, uh, uh, meaty, impressive, uh, uh, data-driven things that you know you would you know browse to and then experience and then browse away. Mm-hmm. And over time, I think we realized that that approach doesn't really work that well, except in some very specific cases. It's hard to carry a piece of journalism uh, or to carry a story exclusively with um, data, data viz. Um, data viz, um, visualization, interaction, uh, to me, uh, in a lot of cases, it's better if it just sort of complements or adds to uh, a piece of journalism and uh, particularly when it's presented in context or sort of organically within the piece of journalism. So what we've been doing more and more 
uh, is weaving this sort of interactive element into a narrative. Mm -hmm. And are there are there certain elements that you find work well with certain? I mean, are, are you able to assess? What elements work with certain types of readers versus other types of readers? Um, are there social aspects of data visualization that you find work well? I know that the Upshot at the Times is doing more and more of these. Um, what I'm trying to, what I think I'm calling social viz, where people sort of uh, play with the visualization and see how they sit relative to others. Are you are you finding similar sorts of things with your readers? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think some of the work that Upshot's doing in that in that area is is, is um, actually kind of leading the industry. Um, LA Times is doing some similar things, or has done in the past. The St. Petersburg Times, now the uh, Tampa Times, does uh, has done some of that some of that work in the past. Of sort of finding ways to use uh, to create interactives that can be. Uh, uh, highly customized or highly personalized, and to, to sort of find yourself in the data. Uh, and the project I think you're you're, you're talking about an upshot was is a is a great example of that. So you were um, it would it would it would allow you to to um, uh, it would actually kind of rewrite the story yeah. uh, based on based on geography and what geography was relevant to you. We've tried to do some of that, and we did it in particular around the election. So. Uh, around the election, you know, it's a very local. Uh, the UK is a, it's a really interesting election system for a variety of reasons. Um, I obviously had to. Uh, there was both a referendum, uh, you know, on Scotland, and then a national election uh, within my first six months. So I had a crash course in parliamentary <laughs> politics uh, once I got here. But uh, it's really interesting because races are both are both local and national. And there's really nothing in between. And so, you know, what's relevant to a particular reader in any given moment is very much dependent on, you know, the, what, what's going on, right? So their local election is super relevant at one particular part of the evening, and then the national election is super relevant at another part of the evening. Mm -hmm. And so we tried to create uh, an interactive that would allow you, again, to sort of personalize it, find yourself in the data, find what's relevant to you. So that... To me, as a design pattern, that's a, a, a super, super important, um, it's kind of key yeah. uh, with those kinds of, of interactions. And do you, have you been able to, have you found any difference between the UK audience and the, U, the New York Times audience in the US? Um, I mean, The Guardian itself is a different, definitely does have a different audience. Yeah. Uh, in many cases, I mean, in many ways, they're, they're, they share, they, they are similar. I mean, uh -huh. It's safe to say that both, you know, readers of the New York Times and The Guardian kind of tend to skew left of center, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is, the main difference is, The Guardian has an audience that is far more global than The New York Times. So The Times is about 70, 75% U.S. and about, you know, 25%, 25 to 30%. Um, non-U.S. And, and even that's a bit misleading because a big chunk of the non-U.S. is actually Canada. So, you know, you're, you're talking about a very big North American audience compared to the rest of the world. Uh, the Guardian is about a third the U.K., about a third the U.S., and about a third the rest of the world, which includes, you know, Europe and India, Africa, South America, Central America, and so forth. And so, uh, given that, our audience, I think, um, you know, we have to think in terms of 
a global audience. We can't be too UK centric in the things that we do. I mean, obviously, UK elections, you know, yeah. how, yeah. But even there, you know, we produced uh, um, prior to the election, we produced a, a motion graphic um, that we called sort of the British election for non Brits uh, um, as a way as a way of sort of. Because we knew, we knew this was, uh, we did the election and we also did the referendum, the Scottish referendum, same concept for non-Brits. Because we knew that at some point this was going to be a news story that would have sort of a global, that would have global interest. Right. It, might be, it might be a day ahead of time. But at some point someone was going to be, you know, looking for that kind of information. And, you know, that, that motion graphic, the, particularly the one on Scotland, did incredibly well, traveled incredibly well on social. Right. So... When you are putting these sorts of things out for the election or for whatever, how are you measuring success? You just mentioned, you know, it did well on social, but are there, are, what are the sorts of metrics that you're using to measure, uh, to figure out whether these, these uh, visualizations or stories, let's say stories more generally, are, are successful? Yeah, so I look, at, I look at success on, you know, different, uh, sort of different levels. So um, right now I would say the tools that we have in newsrooms uh, uh, to sort of measure success, you know, I, I think are, are fairly rudimentary. And that's a big part of, what, of why I created this analytics team um, is, to, is to help us kind of uh, become a little more sophisticated in in how we think about and measure success. So one of the one of the absolute um, uh, treats about working at the Guardian is we have a, a platform here that I had nothing to do with. It is a, it is a, it is a gift, you know, to come here and discover that this thing exists. It's a platform called OFAN, which is sort of um, you can imagine it's sort of a Google Analytics on steroids, but but hyper 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 specific to Guardian content. And so any reporter, any journalist in the newsroom at any time can log on to OFAN and see, you know, incredibly detailed, up to the second sort of analytics about content, where traffic's coming to, where it's coming from. Uh, we recently implemented uh, uh, mediums, oh, is it medium or upworthy? I think, I think it's upworthy, actually, the total reading time. Um, they've developed kind of what I call a meta metric, which is... Uh, um, you know how much time are people reading on their site? Not how many page views, not how many how many uniques. It's like total reading time. That's an important metric for them. Uh, we we bake that into OFAN. So for us, as we're looking at a piece of visual journalism, we look at all kinds of things. We look at the obvious ones: page views, uniques. Yeah. But we also look at referrals. We also look at median attention time, and that can be a really important um, indicator of engagement. So as an example, a lot of the pieces we produce get a ton of page views, but if the total, if the median attention time is, you know, 30 seconds, that indicates to me that the piece, you know, received it was, the, the reach was significant, but the engagement was fairly low. Yeah. Um, a piece we put out uh, about a week and a half ago about the American Civil War, um, you know, the median attention time was over three minutes, which is astounding, yeah. you know, just mind-boggling by web standards. Uh, and even though that piece ended up getting, I don't know, 250,000 page views or thereabouts, um, you know, that kind of immediate, that kind of attention time says to me, well, that was a piece that people engaged with very deeply. Where I want to get to 
is a next is sort of the next level where you can look at things like scroll depth. You can look at things like the individual elements of an interact an, an interactive. Um, in that case, we sort of came up with a new um, UI for scrubbing between um, a historical photo and a modern picture of that same location. Right. And, you know, using, um, and we would want to sort of add some instrumentation to be able to measure whether people are engaging with that, with those um, individual um, UI elements. And that would tell us a lot about success or failure there. As well as A-B testing, which we do not do at this point, but mm -hmm. we absolutely need to start doing. We have a framework for doing it. So I think by the end of, I would say by the end of, um, well, middle next year, I would say, I, I, I would say that we would have, you know, much of this in place. Right. Now, a lot of the, a lot of the metrics you just mentioned are um, readers coming on, how much time they spend interacting with the story, with the visualization. What about sort of direct um, communication with the reader? So, so using the comments, uh, the comment boxes, allowing people to sort of, you know, chime in. Do, do you sort of measure those and, and do the writers or the visual folks um, try to interact with the readers in any way after the stories or the visualization's been put out? I think in some fairly limited ways we mm -hmm. do, but I don't. Th I think if you if you were to ask me, what is the one sort of area of of, of storytelling of news gathering, and particularly in, dig in a digital environment, that is the most under um, explored, underutilized? It's community. And uh, again, I was lucky when I got here. The Guardian has a platform called Guardian Witness which is um, uh, a platform for reader interaction. Uh, it, it's a, you know, the back-end technology is pretty straightforward. It's a, a system that allows you to upload um, a text, a story, a comment, whatever it is, an image, um, uh, image or images. Um, you could also upload a video. And um, you know, we've used it in a fairly, I would say, basic and fairly highly templated ways, you know, sunsets, send us pictures of food, yes. things like that. We've used it in some cases for news gathering, but nothing too sophisticated. But I think it's like platforms like that where you're really scrape, uh, uh, scratching just the surface of what's, of what's possible. And so right before the election, we used Witness and some other tools to create, a, a, I think, a pretty beautiful piece of journalism, uh, which was called um, 100 Voices, um, Immigrants and 100 Voices. And, you know, immigration here is a huge issue. Uh, and, you know, politicians often talk about immigration. We write a lot about immigration, but we never actually talk to people uh, mm -hmm. who have immigrated. And so the idea here was to create a sort of what I like to call a sort of collaborative piece of journalism along with our readers who happen to also have immigrated. And it ended up being a really beautiful piece, highly edited. I mean, it, 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 we edit it just like you would edit any piece of journalism, but the raw material was provided by readers. It was images and stories. And it, and it turned out um, pretty amazing. We just did another one um, around the, the, the crisis in, in, in Greece, uh, and we have another one queued up in a couple of weeks. And so to me, 
you know, the more we can do along these lines and the more advanced, you know, the, the, the further you can go with this, I think the better. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to sort of the traditional comments, people read a, read a story and they end up commenting, are you, um, I guess, managing or curating those comments? Are you moving them up or down the queue so that, you know, uh, certain comments get more attention? Um, Nick Diakopoulos was on the show a few weeks ago talking about sort of the algorithms that news agencies use. Do you, do you, does The Guardian use a similar sorts of, a, or sorts of approaches to do that? To my knowledge, I, we don't. Um, the comment system, I think, here is a fairly traditional um, comment system where it's, it's, it's more or less, you know, sortable by newest, oldest, um, and so forth. Uh, we have had at the Guardian. Obviously, is a very early adopter of uh, of uh, community and comments, and has a you know open journalism is is um, uh, you know is is kind of core to our our, our philosophy and values, and and so um, you know comments are something that. Uh, you know, we take very, very seriously, and and we put on as many stories as we possibly can. We have not, to my knowledge, done a ton algorithmically uh, to surface comments. You know, in ways that might make them, you know, more relevant to particular readers or something like that. That is right. something I am very, very, very interested in mm -hmm. uh, because I do think. Uh, I do think it is. Um, uh, I do think there is an interesting um, way to. I think there are more interesting ways to surface those kinds of com to, to to surface relevant comments than the ways we have, which is newest, oldest, you know, uh, most recommended things, yeah. editors' picks, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with all these uh, trends and tools that you've been talking about um, in terms of how you interact with the readers and the technology that's used to create uh, different products, are you, um, where do you see journalism going in the next you know, two to five years? Are there, are, are there, gonna, are there are this, these smaller sets of changes or are you seeing sort of big shifts coming up uh, in, in the near future? Where, where do you, or, or is it just the, just a, you know, evolution of the field in, in general? Well, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a combination of all of those. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say though that um, if, I, I can't speak for other news organizations, but I would say that uh, the areas I think The Guardian uh, that are consistent with our values and that uh, that fits kind of our model of uh, uh, storytelling and, and our approach to journalism, I would say uh, you will see far more uh, collaborative uh, pieces of journalism. You'll see mm -hmm. a lot more engagement with readers. You'll see a lot more of that sort of seamlessly uh, 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 seamlessly brought into our reporting, um, ideally even informing our reporting mm -hmm. uh, in ways that you may not even ultimately, as a reader, even know. Um, you know, we have a very, very uh, smart, very large audience. And, um, you know, as, as Dan Gilmore pointed out many, many years ago, that collectively our audience is a lot smarter than we are. Why news organizations are not taking advantage of this given all the all the tools that are now available to do, available to us to do this at scale is mm -hmm. you know really beyond me right 
Beyond that, the Guardian also, and this is one huge difference between uh, uh, my last newsroom and this one, the Guardian, like many UK news organizations, does occasionally campaign. Um, we launched a climate change project a few months ago, about six months ago, um, right, right around when Alan Rusbridge, who's our editor here for 20 years, um, a little bit after he decided he decided to step down, it ended up being the, the, his last sort of big big project. But you know, as part of that, we um, gathered two hundred and what is it two hundred eighty thousand, I believe, uh, signatures on a petition. We we ran a campaign uh, around divestment, and uh, with that community that we've sort of built around the campaign and around the issue of climate change more broadly, I think what you'll see over time is more and more uh, 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 collaborative uh, journalism uh, uh, with our readers. And, and, and so I, th I think this is, this is where I think it is all going. At least here, I hope that's where it's all going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what you and your teams come up with and excited to hear about uh, the sort of assessments you guys can do on, the, on their work during. So um, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, again, if you have questions or comments, send an email or hit me up on Twitter or visit the site at policyviz.com. And I am John Schwabish, and this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.